It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. Back in 2009, following the death of Pylon's guitarist, Randy Buley, the B-52's Fred Schneider told the AJC, quote, to me, Pylon was the best band to ever come out of Athens. It still is, close quote. The first time I saw Pylon was more than 38 years ago at the I&I Club in Athens. By that time, the band had already started recording their second album, Chomp, and played all over the US and the UK. It had been nearly three years since their debut single, Cool, and its B-side dub. Now, 41 years later, the band will release a career retrospective box set that includes some never-before-released recordings. And I am thrilled to say that we have Pylons vocalist Vanessa Briscoe-Hay and bassist Michael Lahofsky here to talk about this treasure trove. Welcome, both of you. Hey, good morning, and thank you, Shane. And, and Vanessa, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for your patience with me and my uh, problems with technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all's well that ends well, and we're just happy to have you here. And uh, before we get into the box set, I did want to ask, um, I, since, there, since there are two of us, I'll, I'll try to direct my questions at one of you uh, at a time. So, Vanessa, tell me, um, what have you been up to since uh, the start of this unpleasantness in March? Well, um, I have uh, been working on the box set, ah, and yeah. I also, uh, you know, recently, since the end of July, um, I have a temporary job, which should be ending soon, but I'm not really going to discuss that. Yeah. Okay. But I have been very, very busy. Oh, um, good. Yeah. And, and what yeah. about you, Michael? Well, uh, you know, actually, I think that the... Um, the the pandemic and and sort of uh keeping me at home and canceling all kinds of trips and all that 
was a benefit for me uh, having more time to work on the box set because I didn't do as much of the work last fall as I could have. So yeah, March <laughs> yeah. and April were extremely busy for me on working uh, with uh, Henry Owings, um, who's um, doing the lion's share of the assembly, but it's a 200 page book and um, box set and a um, couple different album covers and so we, you know, we've had a lot of uh, visual uh, things to uh, work on and decide, as well as just listening to the um, test pressings. And I've enjoyed it. It's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's in production now. So uh, uh, the workload's a little lower, and um, now we're having fun anticipating um, this beautiful thing coming out. We still haven't seen it all together in person yet. Right, right. Well, uh, and speaking of the box set, that's sort of what we're here to talk about. And, um, you know, this, it, it has some really early recordings. And the earliest stuff on here was, was even recorded before Vanessa joined the band. Isn't that right? Oh, there's one little track. It's not even complete because it sounds like it was um, sort of cut off, you know, um, or something else recorded over part of this tape. Uh, yeah, it starts out this uh, disc called Extra, and it's we just left it untitled because we don't really know what we were thinking at the time. <laughs> but right. yeah, there was a not a really long period of time, but, but there was a... a a time where Curtis Crow, our drummer, was with uh, Randy and I uh, before we brought Vanessa in. And so this is uh, one of the few um, tracks, you know, that survived from that period. And it was pretty fun. You know, it's pretty, it's a cute little riff thing going on with the three yeah. of us. Yeah. Well, and, and then after that, the, the next thing chronologically is, is the Raz tape. And, and that's the first, the, probably the first thing with Vanessa on it, right? Vanessa, you, you tell us about the Raz tape, what, what that is. Well, what it is, is, uh, is something that was recently rediscovered by uh, Jason E. Smith, who, um, was the person that I worked with uh, in the music production side of it. Michael was on the vision team and I was on the sound team. So um, about two years ago, Jason started putting out feelers to get tapes and uh, gather up all the things that he could. And uh, uh, Chris Rasmussen, who used to work at Chapter 3 Records, um, also plays music trivia with him and as you know we're used to when they had such a thing before the pandemic you know <laughs> right right back when we and had those, fun yeah yeah well we still have fun but you know not <laughs> in the same room necessarily right. right yeah so uh anyway um chris uh brought to uh jason's attention that he had this tape which he had recorded on a nakamichi tape deck um which was raw high standard like home recording equipment for the time and three microphones and it was us before we recorded cool and dub our first single and there's some songs on there which fell by the wayside when we went in to record gyrate you know you have to make decisions you only have so much space on a vinyl record Right. And in the process of that, we were writing more songs and some of these early songs got forgotten about. And yeah. so uh, there's four or five of those. I can't remember right now. And this uh, recording. 
Yeah, and I, that's, so, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, that, that something that was was miss sort of missing for so long. Yeah, well, it you know Randy knew about it because uh, <clears throat> he had taken one of the songs um, from that record and put it onto uh, uh, Dry Right Plus. Right, and so you know that uh that song had been heard before but uh you know i hadn't had any connection with chris and i was unaware of it i really hadn't heard it until recently and uh, so many years and he recorded it with three microphones so it's it's very primitive uh aesthetic a punk aesthetic type of record maybe think like an early jonathan richmond record but it's yeah. also very clear and well recorded he right. did it with three microphones one was on the drums one was shared by the guitar and bass and then i was standing out in the hall because it was so loud in that room and i did the vocals we couldn't see each other <laughs> so but I got to tell you, the guitar sound on that record in particular, like Randy's guitar sound really shines. And um, uh, honestly, myself, I hear some of those vocals and I just cringe. But, you know, that's me, you know. <laughs> right. Maybe you'll like it, you know. But I, I, uh, uh, the, the first song I think that they released from that, you know, just as kind of a taste of what sounded is The Human Body. Yes. We were, even at that point, we were a tight man, you know. Yep. It sounds yeah. very good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have listened to that, and yeah, it does. It sounds great. I, I was really, really happy with that. That sounds awesome. But, yeah, so now, so uh, that the Raz tape is, is one of the earliest things on, on the box set, and then, of course, we come to um, Cool. That was the first single, um, and that was released uh, when, Michael? Uh, 1979. Uh, Wait. Or was it the winter of 1980? (laughs) I I, I, I have it in my calendar that uh, it actually, we had a signing party at Chapter 3 in January of 80, but the label says 79. I don't think that it, it was, there were plans for it to be out, but I don't think that it actually made it out. And then not too long after that, we went to New York and actually took it around from a record store to record store and sold it to him. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. So it's basically at the, at the turn of the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love that song. I love that record. It's just those two songs. Um, you know, sometimes I think that if those hadn't been the two we picked that Pylon might not have ever really, um, uh, I don't know, had gotten the same attention uh, that the band got. Although, I guess things were going pretty well with us just playing live, you know. So, right. Right. Made, but but having a single really did have an impact. I mean, it, it, there were so many record stores, and uh, it, you know, there were actually still jukeboxes in in clubs that would uh, or situations. Uh, bars and whatever where they would actually take you know it was sort of fun because it'd be a jukebox and instead of being like pop music it would it would be like contemporary stuff from the um the scene you know there's so much vinyl available so um, so many bands just had seven inch records right yeah yeah that's that's that that was the first thing many people did and and then but or cassettes (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but okay. there was a lot of vinyl. Like, I, I can't remember, Vanessa, wasn't it? Like, we, that's one reason that we made, made our seven inch. It was a big hole record. Yeah, it was uh, because of Jeep boxes and they were more common at the time. Yeah. Plus, it was uh, actually pressed. Uh, there used to be a little pressing plant. Uh, that was just like a kumquat uh, shed or whatever you call it. I visited it once, uh, and I think it was called Stone Mountain something, too. It was over near, uh, uh, across the railroad tracks near Scottdale and Avondale. Right. And um, I had to take something over there once, and I actually saw where they pressed it and met the older guy, the gentleman who pressed those things. That's interesting. That's my neighborhood. I'd, I'd love to know where that was. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so that that came out. And that that really sort of put you guys on the map, and and um, you did you did a lot of touring around that time too, didn't you, Michael? Yeah. Did, yeah. That was there was touring going on around yeah. uh, around <laughs> it, after the single. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, the calendar, um, the the roster, Vanessa got this all organized at one point, and I, I had like a handwritten one that I'd started that was um, all the places that we played with the dates. And after our first trip up to New York City opening for the Gang of Four in, in August, it's it was just crazy to read this thing. I think we were back up, back up there and playing somewhere like before the end of September. And every every trip up in that direction included, you know, uh, going to some other cities along the way. Or uh, it was really fun because back then there were so many clubs in Manhattan that we could play more than one club on almost all those trips. We'd play like, you know, three three different venues. And, well, I guess I'm including Hoboken, New Jersey at Maxwell's. Yeah. But, you know, we would maybe go to New York and play a show and then drive over to Boston and play a show and then come back and play more in New York and then go over right. to Philadelphia and play in D.C. on the way up or down. And, uh, yeah, so we, we, you know, we weren't on the road all the time by any means, but that's we, we really, really honed our craft, like, but basically on stage. And it was a it was actually kind of a little after going to New York and all that we even played in Atlanta. So we, we really weren't playing that many places close to home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, uh, you know, all that, that road work, I guess, prepared you uh, to uh, record gyrate, which that's next on the list that came out um, soon after. What, when was that would have been uh, 81, I believe, or was it 80? No, it came out in uh, November, 1980. Yeah. And we recorded it in July of 1980, I believe, yeah. June or July. Yeah, and wh- where was where was that recorded? Uh, Stone was... Mountain Studio, and right. uh, it's on uh, Highway. It's not there anymore, but uh, right. But we have very... like one of the things in in the book for this box set is like. Terry Allen, a friend of ours, a photographer, he he, he get, has given us access to pretty much any pylon photographs he can find that he took, which is quite a few, Polaroids, color slides, and black and white. And um, he came down and took quite a few pictures when we were recording um, Gyrate. So there's some great images from that, from that studio that really bring back that time with the, um, like the, 
the pedestal, like yellow pedestal commercial ashtray, um, <laughs> brown shag carpet and that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like Bruce Baxter's haircut, just the whole deal. It's, it's, it's really great. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and now with the, the box set, it's, it's, uh, it probably hasn't been particularly easy to get gyrate on vinyl. And, and now we, we can again in this box set, which is uh, great for me. I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> so it's like, now, do you know how, uh, how long it's been since, gy well, gyrate, how long it's been since it was on vinyl? Oh, wow. I mean, way back then, you know, yeah. I mean, um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, additions came out in other countries. And so that kind right. of complicates the matter. Like you, you know, sometimes you'll see them in different, different color schemes. Right. Um, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know uh, when people finally quit pressing them, but it, I would, I would guess that most of them were first pressings. Yeah. Yeah. Well now, so after Gyrate, you guys uh, started really touring. I know you you did uh, did a UK tour between Gyrate and Chomp, right? How was that? Right. Uh, well, that was uh, December of 1980, well, late November and December. So we were actually in London when John Lennon was killed. Oh, wow. wow. So it was uh, very... Uh, quickly uh it was uh, it was kind of difficult for a few days to be an american there <clears throat> because they wanted to know why do you let people have guns and you know that type of thing and it was uh, a little different we were actually in liverpool uh just a few nights later yeah uh, after he died and uh, that was interesting too but it was it was great going all over the country they gave us a, a tour manager that uh british tour managers are really the best they uh do what you do like if they have someone uh, like i think that he had tour managed barry manilow right <laughs> before us you know it's like all different levels if yeah. you sleep in the king's palace uh he sleeps in the King's Palace. If you're on somebody's floor, he does the same thing. And um, we also had a, a trek, or they called a lorry, uh, with two guys that were obviously some type of metal guys. Um, I mean, they looked like they could have been in, you know, one of those comedies uh, about, you know, British road crew or whatever. You know, they had the mullets and yeah, all of that. So... Um, so we got to see almost the entire country. We were over there for uh, well over three weeks and yeah. got back right before Christmas. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, so after that, uh, you did probably a lot more U.S. dates, but then then um, the next thing that's in the box set is Chomp, um, and that was recorded the following year. Is that right? Uh, we, I think we started uh, kind of in the winter of uh, 81. Yeah. And then uh, did some uh, tracks. At, uh, uh, there was a big uh, recording studio. It was a gigantic room uh, called, uh, I think it was in Christian Broadcasting Studio. Uh, and that is, uh, I'm trying to think of 
where is that big VFW hospital? I think it was kind of over near there. Oh, you mean the Veterans Hospital? Yeah. That's in Decatur? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's not VFW Hospital, Veterans Hospital. What on earth am I saying? Yeah, Yeah, the the Veterans Hospital is, uh, the VA Hospital is on, um, is it Claremont, I believe? Yeah. It was kind of that area, and it was such a giant room that they could record a choir in there. Yeah. And the uh, window for the, you know, the engineer and the producer and people that were watching, it was like way, way up. And uh, and so we got some basic tracks, uh, which we ended up uh, going over and using again. Um, I've got uh, notes on all of that from the studio. Um, then some of it was re-recorded. But the basic track, like, for instance, Crazy Single, um, Danger, uh, no, not Danger, uh, M-Train, yeah. you know, several others uh, were done there. And then they were, uh, um, when we went into Mitch Easter's little bitty um, drive-in studio, which was a garage off of his parents' house. Yeah. Uh, when we switched kind of horses in midstream and got actual producer Chris Stamey, uh to come in and work with us, then um, it was, you know, different. <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to get Chomp again on, on vinyl because that one seems to have been even more difficult to find than uh, Gyrate. I've looked around and uh, it's, uh, it's hard to get. <laughs> It is it is much rarer, and one reason is because when it came out in 83, it's not too long after that, uh, we made uh, the de- decision to stop touring, and so not as many were pressed, and also uh, it never got released in other countries. Uh, so it is r- a rarer record than on Gyrate, but Gyrate is, you know, one thing that I saw that made me many years back want to look into reissuing as I saw that the uh, people were complaining they couldn't find it. They'd ask me, where can I buy it? And then I'd go and look and it was like $50, $75, $100 or whatever. And I was like, you know, this is, you know, not good. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but y'all, you know, in addition to being excited that the vinyl's coming out and the box set and all these uh, records, um, what I really love is going onto Apple Music and if you search for Pylon, um, Pylon Box shows up, which is great because it lists like all forty-three songs or whatever it's gonna, you know, be when it's right. when they're all out, and then a whole bunch of them are now available to listen to. So. When we announced that this box set is coming out on New West Records, uh, that's when um, the Gyrate and Chomp, um, all those songs, I think, uh, went live on streaming, if I'm not mistaken, on all the other platforms as well. Yep. And, um, and then some of the, um, I don't know, the sort of teaser songs from um, Extra and uh, Rastate are yeah. on there. So it's really, it's really great that that music, because that music um, really just until last month wasn't um was was not on streaming for the last few years so it's really great to have that available for people already yeah yeah it really is and and 
it's like I was thinking today I, I, as I was preparing for this, I, I realized that, you know, I, I first thought, well, this is a career retrospective, but um, Chain isn't here. And I'm wondering why that is. Michael, well, do you, or Vanessa, uh, whoever I'll, wants to answer. I'll answer it because it's a sound question. Okay. Okay, yes. All right. Well, a decision had to be made uh, because of the limit. We had like uh, four records with the box set to focus right. on three nineteen eighty three. 1983. Right. If this does well enough, maybe we can re release uh, Chain and uh we're, you know, I'm kind of starting to dig a little in to see if there's something else out there that could be paired along with it. Right, right. So maybe there, there might be more rarities uh, out there that we don't uh, know about yet, right? Yeah, and maybe they're perhaps left unheard. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds, that sounds intriguing. I'm intrigued now. So yeah, that's great. And, and, um, you mentioned that, that you had sort of stopped touring after Chomp. Um, what what prompted that? Michael? Yeah, Michael. You, I'll let yeah, you take that Yeah, what prompted that? Um, I guess it was just kind of a, um, <clears throat> a culmination, a, a culminating fatigue with the um, some of the sort of the business side of, right. of the rock and roll industry or whatever that um we kept thinking that we should be free to just kind of approach it on whatever uh timeline that we wanted to go with and you know we could tour or not tour or um decide when or if to record and all that kind of thing and um you know we we have a lot of appreciation for all the people that were working with us the you know, we had a really good booking agent and we enjoyed working with DB Records, et cetera. But, um, you know, so it wasn't just them, but maybe just sort of in general, like talking to the press or just the way things worked. You know, if you weren't if you weren't following some certain kind of rhythm or structure, uh, yeah. it seemed like <clears throat> we would, we'd, you know, we would we'd get some push back or else we were being sort of pushed forward maybe hurry up and write more songs or something like that. I don't, I don't really know exactly like where all this was coming from, but looking back at some of our old interviews and reading what we were saying at the time um, that we made the decision, it sounds like we, we all had different points of view on it, but that it, it, it roughly aligns with that idea of like, you know what, they're just um, expectations being put on us that we're just, you know, not really that interested in. And we, you know, we wanted this to be really fun. And so let's, let's just maybe call it quits while, while we, you know, while we've had a really good time with it and been really successful and on our own terms. So, right. you know, and there was a little bit of it that we were like, well, wait, you know, how come we still don't have like a bigger label coming around and looking at us? So, right. um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we're just not, you know, going to be able to make that next step so yeah you know different different things but but our last show was really fun and it was also really good you know it, it was like it, it's not like pylon fell apart it was just pylon chose to kind of have a nice clean clean break with the um with, with our whatever it was four years yeah 
Well, that's, I mean, it, it, you have to be commended for, for doing things your way and, and on your own terms. I, I think that uh, that's great. And I think time has, has shown that uh, the music certainly stands up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, I want to, you know, I don't want to keep you guys too long, but I do want to mention, you know, the, again, the box set. Um, which is coming out, that's on November 6th. Is that right, Vanessa? It's the 6th? That's, cor that's correct. And uh, I want to make an announcement. You're going to get an exclusive awesome. first here on this. <laughs> We've had a lot of uh, interest, I'll put it that way, uh, dealing with our fans in a CD box set. Ah. So we're going to put out a CD box set. Awesome. So that, but we don't have a time on that yet. That's, that's to come, right? That's getting announced Thursday, but you're hearing it first before anyone. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll be able to announce like the release date of it. But, um, so it's the exact same, um, book that is in the box set and then the discs are inserted into um like a die cut you know panel on the back uh inside cover right and then the artwork that would accompany those four albums um is uh on additional pages that were produced for this version of the book wow and then all of that will be inside the um uh you know scaled down like version of the uh slip cover uh, that the box vinyl set comes in. So it's basically the same thing, just with four discs instead of uh, four vinyl. Right. Well, that's great. So I know that, you know, since uh, normally if, you know, something was being released this big, there might be some event attached to it, but I, I guess we can't really do those things <clears throat> these days. But is there anything planned online or anything like that to go along with this release? Well, oh, we, we had... haven't. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. We haven't. Now you go ahead, Michael. <laughs> well, we we did have some plans, and there is there is an exhibition of uh, pylon ephemera that was donated um, by us um, earlier. Uh, well, after, after, really after we wrapped up working on all the graphics and everything for the box right. set, we were, were like, let's go ahead and just get give away our stuff. And so the University of Georgia Special Collections Library. Um, has put together a small exhibition over there that is currently on view and they're open to the public Monday through Fridays. And then um, if there's not a football game in Athens, they're also open on Saturdays if anybody right. wants to go look at it. And it'll be up um, just for a few more months. And so, yeah, we were going to have a, a, a we we're going to have a geeky opening reception at a library. But um, unfortunately, that's just not yeah. going to take yeah. place. That's too bad. Well, I hope maybe someday we can uh, celebrate it properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Is there anything else we need to talk about with the box set? Uh, is there anything that people need to know that uh, we haven't talked about? I want to just bring up how overwhelmed I was at the response to it, but also I want to um, say how generous everyone was. He was involved and, um, get, you know, helping us find tapes, helping us find art, helping us find photographs. Um, and that's like all across the board. This whole thing has just been um, a great experience. It just shows how 
generous people are and uh you know i guess maybe they love us too so and yeah. i love them yeah it's it's great i i've loved i i love seeing the the photo that was sent out for for uh for the press for this uh because it was it it's amazing to see something that you have never seen before um you know from from way back when like that Oh yeah, that that's a story in itself. I know we're probably out of time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that that was was that that was found somewhere. Is that right? It's that like photo? the last day they were putting the book to bed, and Henry Evans got a book of punk photography from Chicago by a Chicago photographer. It's like a a very small pressing. And he right. was looking through it and he was like, holy cow, look at this. I've never seen this photo before and none of us have. Yeah. And it's actually uh, uh, a show that we did in Chicago opening up for the Gang of Four. And yeah. if you look at it, there's a lot of little things like you can see on there, the backstage pass that actually has the date on it. Yeah. Uh, so we know right where it was, when it was and all. Uh, someone special writes a story about that very show that was already scheduled for the book. So we paired them together. Yeah. That's awesome. I love, I love when, when things like that happen. So that's great. Well, well, thanks so much for taking time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Vanessa Briscoe Hay and to Michael Husky um of pylon and uh definitely check out the box set uh come november 6th um it's it's gonna be a fabulous thing there's nothing normal about our new normal but ajc.com is the same trusted source you've always had And we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. Trying to promote a new book and attract customers to independent bookstores is a challenge in the best of times. But during the era of social distancing and crowd restrictions, it seemed near impossible. But Georgia author Mary Kay Andrews and her fellow Southern writer Patty Callahan Henry had an idea. They would start a weekly Facebook Live conversation among authors to talk about the books they've written and the books they're reading. It would be a chance to promote their work and engage with readers. Launched in April, Friends in Fiction has amassed 22,000 Facebook followers so far, and its growing archive of weekly author interviews have been viewed by tens of thousands of people at friendsinfiction.com. There's also a newsletter, a podcast, and occasional Sunday bonus episodes. Read all about this social media phenomenon in Suzanne Van Atten's story on AJC.com. The multifaceted life of Chuck Lavelle, former member of the Allman Brothers Band, longtime touring keyboardist and musical director for the Rolling Stones, and dedicated conservationist, is explained in vivid depth in the new documentary, Chuck Lavelle, The Tree Man. Lavelle fans who want to check out the documentary in theaters will have the opportunity November 6th, where it will play in 50 theaters nationwide for a week. Find out where to see it in Atlanta on the Atlanta Music Scene blog and look for a Sunday feature on Lavelle in the Living and Arts section of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on November 29th. Dawn Williams Boyd's work has been exhibited by smaller Atlanta venues for years, from the Southwest Art Center, where she had a solo show in 2017, to Hammond's House Museum, 
Kellenwall Fine Arts Center, and most recently at Agnes Scott College. The 68-year-old's work has also been part of group shows across Georgia, as well as in France, California, New Mexico, Colorado, and Pennsylvania. No matter where you are, you can see the virtual exhibition of the Atlanta artist's new show, Cloth Paintings, at Fort Gansevoort Gallery in New York City. Get all the details and read about this fascinating exhibition in Rosalind Bentley's story on the Things to Do page at AJC.com. The restaurant business has had more than its share of troubles this year, but the news isn't all bad. Count on the AJC's dining team to keep you up to date on new restaurants and breweries opening in and around Atlanta. They're also continuing to report on the best in takeout around Atlanta, including the recently reopened landmark Mary Max Tea Room and Decatur's newly opened BBQ Cafe, which is housed in a scrappy red and white cinder block building that the owners say is an old taxi dispatch station from the 1950s. Find out what the team had to say about those takeout menus and read up on all the places they visited on the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.